When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. focus on the empty offense and a coach's journey along the way that uh, has seen a lot of twists and turns and I've been able to uh, to watch that along the way a guy I've gotten to know really well here in Ohio the head football coach at Medina High School Larry Laird Larry it's great to have you here on the podcast finally hey thanks for having me I appreciate it well Larry you guys had an incredible season this year and and um, you know the way uh, that you operate uh, primarily from an empty offense is something that goes back uh, to early in your career and Kent, uh, Kenton High School and Mike Mock and uh, you know everything that he was doing there is something you've come back to over time. But there was a definitely a time along the way you were running a black and blue offense as the offensive coordinator here in Avon Lake, Ohio. But before we get into all of that, let's let's talk a little bit about that journey and coaching and. For you, Larry, where did this all get its start? What really made you want to become a football coach? Uh, the biggest thing is probably, you know, you look back when you're a kid and the big the people that have the biggest influences on you. And for me, definitely was my high school football coach. And, you know, I think about that even as a coach today. Um, I always try to think about, am I doing the right thing for the kid? Am I um, doing everything that I can do to uh, be a positive role model. Uh, my high school football coach, very positive role model for me, and, um, um, you know, set some ideas in my head as a kid as far as who did I want to be and uh, what kind of person did I want to be, and I think that really is the reason I got into coaching. It's been 31 years now, but as you go back through those 31 years and think about some of those key lessons for you, uh, along the way and you've, you've worked with some really good coaches too but what are some of the things that stick out for you as as far as the those key lessons that really became part of who you are as a coach well the biggest thing uh, you know and I have been fortunate I have worked for two hall of famers that are two of the best um, coaches that I've known but also two of the best people that I've known and um for me, the lessons that I, and it was very common for me to hear it from both of them is be who you are. Um, don't, don't try to fool anybody. You're not going to fool anybody. Be who you are. 
and be the best possible person that you can be and be the best possible role model. So I've been very fortunate in my career to have worked for some great coaches, Coach Mock at Kenton and Coach DeLugas at Avon Lake. And uh, they taught me those lessons as a younger coach. Um, just be who you are. For Coach Mock, you know, thinking back, and, and that's more towards the beginning of your career, but he had been doing it for a while and winning all kinds of football games. I know other people tried to replicate it, but maybe not with as much success. Um, and today it's not necessarily uh, out of the norm to to see a lot of empty offense, but you know, Mike Mock's offense in Ohio, which, you know, in, you know, in, in, in uh, October and November, uh, especially before the days of, of field turf can get pretty dicey, um, <laughs> had a lot of success with that offense. Uh, and I know it's something that you learned in, in jumping ahead, you know, to where you are now, you're, you're utilizing a lot of that, but, you know, playing in that kind of offense and, um, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what you guys had to deal with, especially, you know, maybe going to that style of offense early on. But um, what were some of the the things you learned from Coach Mock and being able to, I guess, think outside the box and to be able to do something like that? Well, I was fortunate uh, when I got, at, got to Kenton High School. Uh, we had his older son, uh, Ben Mock, who ended up being, you know, Mr. Football. And then Maddie Mock, who was later on Mr. Football, was one of our little managers running around. So, um, but I was very fortunate uh, when I got there in 2000, um, we were still a two-by-two and a three-by-one team. Uh, We were not completely empty. Uh, We didn't go completely empty until middle of the season that my first year there. And I can still remember the young man's name that forced us to do it because he was our running back and he kept on getting in the way. And I'm not going to say his name, but uh, I, I remember um, we, I was having a coaches meeting after um, one of the games uh, and Mike looking at us, the offensive guys, and what do we need to do? And all of us came to the conclusion that it was easier to run out of the uh, five wide and get the running back out of the way and also, too, just the big thing was getting teams to declare what they were going to do. Because uh, when you're just uh, in two-by-two two with a one-back or three-by-one with a one-back, defenses don't have to necessarily define themselves. Um, when you're three-by-two or four-by-one with no running back, uh, they have to declare themselves. So that was the biggest thing that we learned uh, as we were putting it together back in 2000. When you look at defenses today, they've, they've certainly progressed in all the different things that they're going to do to spread sets, especially empty sets. Um, I think you start to see a little bit more you know, variation maybe than you did back then. But um, the game planning back then, especially because you guys are the only team doing things like this, uh, how, how difficult was it? Like, Was there anything that you felt like, okay, we can rely on this certain set of things or – did you guys just start to see junk defenses from week to week? We saw junk defenses from week to week. Um, some You could tell some coaches had a little bit of an idea, and you had some coaches that had no idea on how to defend it. And it, 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 at that point, it was cutting edge. And don't get me wrong, I, I think it's still very, very difficult to prepare for, and that's why we do it. But uh, back then – um, especially uh, we were division four 
in Ohio here, you know, uh, Division Four. You're not going to find many Division Four teams that have five athletes that can cover five good wideouts. Um, so we had such an advantage. Uh, you know, 2001, we end up going 15 and 0 and winning the state championship. And uh, to be quite honest, there was only one team that pressed us all year long, and that was Coldwater. Yeah, another great program here in Ohio. Uh, and, and really, that's that's just a, a, a great conference in general, great area. You see a lot of really good small school football um, from a, a, a number standpoint, right? You mentioned that, you know, you didn't see a lot of teams who would line up like that, but uh, that became a way for you guys. How do you you look at, you know, competing with something like that in a small school where, um, I don't know, you know, you get what you can get. You don't recruit, right? Uh, but right. Uh, how did it change, I guess, the the participation and um, I guess even the, the community's um, outlook on it, right? Because I, I know you can get some positives and you certainly can get some negatives out of that too if people think, <laughs> you're, if they think you're crazy for what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I get that even today at Medina. <laughs> uh, but I know you do. When I was back... <laughs> When I was back in Canton, um, you know, we de- we definitely saw our numbers grow, um, which, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Is there's safety in numbers, uh, you know, whether it's in football, whether it's in um, any other sport. Uh, the more people you can get participating and trying out and, um, and whatnot, the, the more chance you're going to have to find athletes. And at Kenton, we were fortunate that our numbers, you know, grew from my first year there. I think we were like 63 to about 83 um and at a division four school here in ohio that's a huge jump in one year and you know you start to get more guys especially when you're throwing the ball around um you start to one of the biggest benefits is you get some of those guys that are maybe not necessarily don't want to be those kinds of football players that want to stick their nose in uh, and whatever but they're willing to run around and play basketball on grass is what what you call it and, you know, even since we've gone to this at Medina in the last few years, um, we've seen those kinds of kids starting to come out for us again, which is uh, great. So, you know, the, the whole idea of basketball on grass, and I believe um, at that time you guys were playing on grass, right? Kent, Kenton didn't have <laughs> yeah. turf field. I think, so, they're still, I think they're still grass. Yeah. How, how did you deal with some of the, you know, the – the seasonal stuff we get, you know, we hit October, mid October and later, and you guys were playing late into the year a lot. Uh, it's not great weather here. And, you know, even, even now, um, you know, I know we had a couple late season, uh, weekends here where it was, it was rainy, it was windy, all those things that can really affect the team who's going to throw the football. How did you guys, I guess, deal with some of that? And, you know, whether it was back then or now, I guess being prepared to take on inclement weather with this type of, of an offense. Well, the biggest thing is just convincing the kids and the assistant coaches, Hey, rain is our, is to our advantage. I, you know, it's not necessarily always to our advantage, but you do try to convince them that. Um, but back then I, I, there was one particular game actually where we were playing over at Van Wert in 2001 and we ended up winning the game 15-14, and, you know, we were very fortunate. But that that was a game that it was just torrential downpour, mud, uh, everything else. And we did finally get a couple of pass routes where 
our guy knew where he was going and the defensive guy fell down and we were able to connect and make a couple of plays. But it, you're right. It used to be a lot harder uh, when it was late in the season, get some rainstorms, get the, some mud games. Uh, it's not as hard today. Um, I know here in Medina, we haven't played on grass in over two years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it definitely made a big difference. So there was that period of your career uh, where you come to Avon Lake, distinctly different style of football than you were used to. And, uh, you know, another Hall of Fame head coach who you work for and Dave DeLugas, uh, who did an incredible job here in, in Avon Lake. Um, I got to be on the other side of the ball uh, from you guys a lot. And uh, you guys were definitely going to be somebody who lined up and uh, tried to knock you off the ball both sides. Very physical, black and blue type of team, different style of offense. You know, uh, you guys would run that Maryland stacked eye and, and there's not a, a wide receiver in the game. Uh, what was that adjustment like for you in, in coming from a place that uh, didn't have fullbacks and tight ends to one that, you know, you really didn't see until maybe a little bit later some of that spread. I'm sure that was your influence, but didn't see some of the spread elements um, till till much later in, in uh, your tenure there at Avon Lake. Well, I had the benefit of coaching in an offense much like Avon Lakes before I went to Kenton. So Kenton was really eye-opening for me, uh, going five wide and uh, even going three by one and two by two a lot uh, the first year, um, and then opening up to the five wide. That was that was the big eye-opener for me. Actually, going to Avon Lake then was going back to kind of what I, stuff I knew, um, counter, down, you know, running the power game. Uh, but uh, coaching with, with Dave uh, so much different than coaching with uh, Coach Mock um, – just for the simple fact that the two styles of offense were so different. And it just shows that there's uh, coaching a lot of the time, uh, you got to be flexible on everything else. And you got to coach to the kind of kids you have Uh, coach DeLugas at Avon Lake. uh, We had big, powerful pounding um, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, our, our fullbacks and tailbacks were big. Um, don't get me wrong. We had some athletes out at wide receivers yeah. and stuff like that, but, uh, Dave's idea of getting fancy was going on too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, uh, Dave did allow me to bring some ideas because we were fortunate at that time too, in the early two thousands, when I came to Avon Lake in 2002, um, we had a couple of wide receivers, Andrew Means and, uh, Trey Strauss, who ended up going to the big 10, um, that we were able to utilize some of the stuff that we had um, from Kenton, some of the ideas, uh, just getting Dave to let us throw a slip screen to Andrew or Trey was huge. And those guys could break games open and they did for us. And um, I don't remember if we ever ran one against you, but uh, those guys in the open field getting a slip screen uh, was huge. I don't. I don't remember many of the slip screens. I just remember Trey and and Andrew running like deep posts on us, and you know knowing <laughs> it's coming and still not being able to to take a, the ball away. I mean, it's you know, two Big Ten receivers uh, who did an incredible job, and um, it's great actually. Andrew is is back here in Avon Lake. He's our baseball coach now, and I know um, 
you know, from a personal standpoint, we love him there. Uh, you know, my son being on the baseball team and what he's doing there. But, uh, you know, when you look at the programs you've been at too, uh, I think set aside whatever kind of offense and defense, you had some really strong culture. You, you know, that persists today. You know, Mike's no longer at, at uh, Kenton. Dave's no longer at Avon Lake, but uh, you can you can still feel the presence of those guys in the in the cultures that are there. What were some of the biggest things for you in looking at how you develop a culture that you were able to learn from those two great coaches? Well, the biggest thing, uh, and you know this from coaching, is you have to have an identity. Um, when we were at Avon Lake, uh, we we honestly believed that we were two touchdowns ahead before we ever got off the bus because we were we knew that we were going to pound you and pound you and pound you into submission. Uh, when I was at Kenton, um, you know, basketball on grass, quote unquote, uh, we knew that we were up two touchdowns before we got off the bus. And, and it, that sounds arrogant, but I, to me, to be successful and have a successful culture, you need to have that sense of arrogance. And uh, that's what we are developing at Medina. Uh, at Medina, you've been around Northeast Ohio Medina's always had great athletes, but never really been known for football. And uh, that's what we're working hard at changing um, the culture at Medina and getting us to the point that, you know, why aren't we competing with the Menors? Why aren't we competing with the St. Ed's? Why aren't we competing with the St. Ignatius of the world? I think we made great strides this year. Well, definitely, you know, there's not many teams in a single season who say they can knock off uh, a St. Ed's and a St. Ignatius, just two in- incredible programs with you know, Coach Lombardo there at St. Ed's, Coach Kyle uh, at St. Ignatius. Um, you know, it, it takes quite a bit to be able to do that. And I'd say you guys definitely, uh, you know, put put uh, your name on the map as far as we're going to be a football school this year. And a- as we said, you've done it with a, a little bit different style than everybody else around the area you know, looking at that and, and what you've done, uh, how do you take that momentum and, and keep moving that forward? Well, the kids, you know, the big thing is like we just talked about, believing in what you're doing. Have an identity. Um, our kids right now uh, have a lot of confidence in what we are doing and have a lot of confidence in the coaching staff. Um and uh, that's another key that, you know, we haven't really talked about yet. Uh, when I was at Avon Lake and when I was at Kenton is the continuity of a coaching staff. It's huge. Uh, it, that is so underrated in my opinion. Uh, if you look at uh, the really good football programs around the state of Ohio or even just in Northeast Ohio, let's talk about Avon Lake. Avon Lake for years has had continuity over the years, you know, even since Coach Kostelnik took over now, they've had continuity. Coach Elder at Avon, continuity, same guys. Um, our program has started to take a turn because I haven't had to replace a coach now in two years. Uh, and that's huge. Uh, just having the continuity uh, and the kids believing in the coaching staff, um, the coaches coming together and believing in each other. I know I was at Avon Lake for, I think it was 12 years, and I was still the new guy in year 11. (laughs) So, I mean, the continuity really does matter. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, looking at, I guess, some of the challenges you face right now, you know, uh, 
when you're a team like a Kenton or a Medina right now, it's a little bit easier for your kids to go out and work on some of the skills that uh, they're going to be doing when August hits, right? To get out and throw right. the football around, especially now that there's there's turf. I mean, you know, go back to the the Avon Lake days, um, you know, other than some of the things you did with Trey and <laughs> Andrew, uh, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, not necessarily you're going to go out and work, you know, power football. Hey guys, let's go, let's go work on uh, our power running game. You know, you guys work on being athletes, throwing the ball around. Um, are there any challenges to that or, or what have your kids been able to do during all this, this shutdown during the summer? I know you could do some things, but it was small groups. How much did they, I guess, take into their own hands getting that done versus, you know, needing to be directed by the coaches? Well, that's an, that's where you see your program grow. Um, when I first got to Medina uh, four years ago, uh, we were lacking some senior leadership, to be quite honest, because uh, the, the team before or the year before was so loaded with seniors and um, didn't see much growth from the underclassmen at that time. Now, uh, our program over the last four years, uh, we have seen kids more and more uh, because we we work hard at developing it. And, and, and part of that is, you know, we play a lot of kids um, on Friday nights, you know, we'll, we'll play up to 50 kids in a, in a game weekly because uh, we two platoon offense, defense, we try to get more guys on special teams that are younger and everything else. And then what that leads to uh, has led to um, good leadership skills for our kids and buy-in from the kids. Um, and so uh through working through this COVID stuff um, uh, before the 2020 season, uh, we had a great senior leadership. And then we also had some great junior leadership where kids taking initiative, you know, we have a pretty special quarterback right now um, where he would organize and uh, seven on seven stuff with the offense and the defense. And, you know, we, you know, we weren't necessarily even involved. Uh, the coaches weren't where the kids were taking the initiative and getting it done. When you look at, you know, starting this off season and, um, you know, coming up here probably early January for you, I know you guys are remote in school right now. Uh, this is definitely uncharted waters for coaches. I've been talking to you know, some high school coaches about this recently on the podcast. Uh, what's the approach to, you know, being able to, to work with some restrictions, whereas last year, you know, a, a year ago, it was kind of business as usual. Uh, you know, you right. get your guys into the weight room. There's there's none of these worries about social distancing or masks or, or anything that is at the forefront of our thoughts right now. So you're able to go about building your team like you usually would. Now there's these restrictions in place, especially in getting things kicked off. Have you thought about your approach to you know, how you do this with all the things that you're having to deal with? Well, we, you know, thank God or thank goodness for uh, Zoom and Google Meets and all that stuff because we, you know, have group meetings or with our coaches and with our uh, positions. But also, too, we can have a huge meeting and talk about um, what we're sending out. Uh, we, we send out uh, workouts uh, to – uh, the different players um, and different position um, specific workouts. 
And uh, for the most part, our kids have been able to uh, buy in. Um, you know, once this hit last year, you know, in the spring, in April and whatever, we've already started this. So this is for the, this group of kids coming into this off season. This is already uh, we've been through this. So that, that's one advantage. Uh, the kids are, you know, chomping at the bit to get started. Um, I have told them that we're going to hold off until after the holiday breaks and get started in January. Uh, games aren't won in December. Um, so uh, we're going to start in January. And the biggest thing is, is, you know, with the kids, them understanding what it takes now uh, to be successful. And they're starting to see the fruits of their labor, you know, a couple of big wins this year in the playoffs and things like that. Um, but for us, um, we're excited to see the kids, you know, progress um, at, not only as football players, but as leaders. And this is all what high school sports is all about. So um, this really just pushes it even more, more so, you know, to get these kids to become uh, better people and better leaders. Coach, I know you're speaking at the New York High School Coaches Association Clinic February 2nd through 4th. You're going to be talking about uh, your empty offense and, and some of the advantages of it. Could you give us, I guess, a, a preview of some of the things that coaches might hear if they attend that session? Well, the biggest thing, I'll talk about advantages as far as why we do what we do. Um, you know, we play in one of the toughest conferences in the state of Ohio, whether it's public or private. And, you know, we don't necessarily always have the biggest linemen and everything else, but we always have athletes. So what we're trying to do is distribute the football to our different athletes and whatnot. But uh, in the talk, I'm going to talk about some of that. I'm going to talk about some concepts that we run, uh, some of the rules that we we have for our offense as far as splits, protections, um, I'll even talk about uh, some of the concepts of what, against certain coverages. This is what we like to do, or if we if we see too high, we're running the football. I mean that is a uh, no-brainer. And when I say run the football, not necessarily quarterback. We may check to a screen and uh, different things like that. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to present some screens and uh, present some of our running concepts out of the empty and uh, some of our passing concepts. I know in, in watching a lot of football around Northeast Ohio, and I think we see it across the country, it's, it's become pretty popular to see the tight front, the four eyes, uh, you know, odd front in order to stop the run. Uh, how much of that do you guys see being, you know, primarily an empty team? Is that something teams still like to do, or are they widening out a little bit with their edge rushers because of the, the constant threat of pass? Well, they're widening out. And we force them to widen out. See, that's why um, part of the reason we do what we do is we want to dictate to the other team what what they have to do. Uh, our splits are two and a half or three foot splits. Uh, no, never any shorter than two and a half feet. Um, our quarterback, we line up our quarterback at seven and a half or eight yards deep. Uh, so, you know, we we are going to force you to widen. And we are going to force you to dictate, or excuse me, force you to determine and show what you are going to do. If you're going to blitz us, if you have any chance of getting to us, you have to show us. I mean, there is no um, delaying 
like with your middle linebacker and delay blitz. You can, you can delay all all day if you want because we're we're going to take advantage of that. Um, the biggest thing for us is that we still want to get the ball out, uh, you know, in three seconds or three and a half seconds. And, you know, with us at seven and a half, eight yards and three foot splits, it's hard to get to us. Yeah. With that snap, that's, that's something that's definitely unique. So I'd I'd imagine it's, it's going to be a little bit different than a traditional shotgun snap and the way you get it back there. What's the technique on that? How is, is that a, more of, you know, you're going to spin it back there like a guy maybe short snapping for a field goal, or what kind of technique is he using? Yeah, it's 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 spun back there a lot like a field goal. I mean, and it, it's not as difficult as you think it is. I mean, to be honest, when we try to tighten up a little bit for a run game situation, um, try to tighten up our quarterback a little bit, it – it's never pretty. <laughs> Our kids are just so used to snapping it to seven, seven and a half, eight yards that it's just much easier for us. Yeah. So with your, your quarterback run game, that is my next question. Um, from that depth, are there any challenges to, you know, getting the, getting the ball where you want it to within the box if you're able to get, you know, a lighter box uh, to, to run the football there? Well, you know, we may tell him if he's going to run the ball, because a lot of the time he checks into the run. Um, if you're going to run the ball, kind of cheat up, but don't make it obvious. All right. So maybe make it to six and a half. And the biggest uh, thing for us, as far as that is, if we count, it's all the numbers game, counting the numbers, you know, three, one, three, two, a four, two box. You know, he has the green light to call what he wants. Um, for us, the biggest, biggest uh, run for us is past year and a half has been a quarterback trap. You know, we will just um, block both, see, we'll block both ends uh, upfield and he can call whichever guard he wants to trap. And we block down, you know, with the other guard and back with the center or, or double team the nose and the other guard wraps around up on the, on the middle backer. I mean, it, it's, it's actually silly how easy. I mean, it really is. So when people see that and they're like, why are people, why are teams doing that for you? Well, the biggest thing is, is that our splits, we make, we make you show us what you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of disguise when you're spreading the whole field like that with, with everybody. I mean, the more you pack the box in, the easier it is to disguise things. Uh, But as you said, you, you kind of got to declare where you're going to be. So um, in looking at uh, coverage-wise, the the things you typically see is it's is it still going to be a lot of quarters? Um, have have teams leaned one way or the other to how they're going to play you guys from uh, from the back end? Well, the biggest thing for us that we're starting to see a lot more of is like cover three one side, cover two the other. Um, we'll still see some quarters, uh, but people are still guessing, uh, you know, and we still don't see a whole lot of film that helps us going into a game. And, and now we're starting to finally get some film from the previous year, which is nice. Uh, as long as the coaching staff's the same, you know, cause coaches are creatures of habit. They're going to do what they like and do what they do. Um, and so now we're starting to build a little library of, okay, well, this is what Mentor does. This is what Euclid does. This is what Solon does. 
um, against us. Um, actually, one of the teams that I think defends us, uh, one of the um, one of the teams that defends us the best is Solon. Uh, their kids are just so well coached. Uh, Coach McQuaid over there and his coaching staff just has done such a great job, and uh, they do a very good job of um, giving us a couple of different looks. They'll, they're one of the teams that will give us cover three one side, cover two the other, or give us quarters um, and dare us to do some stuff too. You know, when I, I look at the game planning aspect of, of uh, how you approach things and heard a really good uh, clinic talk from Andy Kotelnicki at uh, Buffalo talking about the different approaches, you know, to, to focus on yourself or to focus all on the opponent, et cetera. And uh, I mean, I think I've been in, in both places on that continuum, but with, with something like this, especially early on, as you said, not necessarily having a lot of film, have you found yourself just really focusing more on here's what we need to do to get better uh, and, and really putting that focus internally than worrying so much about what somebody else might do? Yeah, we don't worry about, uh, for the most part, we don't worry about what the other team is going to do. Uh, we worry about us and what we need to do um, to get better every week. But for us, what we, te- what we teach our kids is that it doesn't really matter what they're doing because our rules are our rules. Um, because uh, are you familiar with the R4 system for the most part? Yeah, definitely. I, I used it before, learned it from actually directly from Dub. And uh, yeah. Darren Slack back when they first put that thing out, yeah. Right. Well, we are a pure R4 team. So it doesn't really matter what the other team is running because it's all a numbers game. Um, so for me, following that halo and teaching the kids the halo, uh, including the receivers, and then um, just as long as we are consistent. Now, they're high school kids. They're not going to follow the rules 100% of the time. As long as we are consistent and try to follow the R4 rules, um, for those of you guys listening, it's rhythm, read, rush, run. All right, that's the, the rules. Um, and we could do a whole another hour on just the R4. For sure. I'm sure. But, <laughs> but uh, for us, the R4 has been a savior. I mean, especially in our league, because our the coaches in our league are so good. Um, and every, you know, now we have it does it gives you common language a common vernacular to talk to your receivers and your quarterbacks it gives you common rules and immediately like if we're watching the you know why the defense out on the field if we're watching film on the sideline i can say to the quarterback you know hey did you count the did you count the guys and you know why why are you going over there where should you be going and explain it to me and he can do it and we have a common language so it, it, that's been huge for sure. Now, have you guys progressed to using dubs, uh, R4 game planning system? Uh, I have looked at it. Um, but for me, I, the reason I have not done that is we're not really a running football team. All right. So I don't think that we need it. Um, as we dabble more into the run game again, like during the playoffs, uh, I don't know if people realized when we uh, played St. Ed's, we, I think we threw the ball 27 times and ran the ball 24 times. <laughs> uh, but to me, that's just, you know, uh, an adjustment that we had to make to win that particular football game. We still stayed true to who we were uh, as a football program, but uh, it's kind of different when you, 
uh, run out the stack eye with uh, two linebackers and a defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, well, from that side, you mentioned you know getting into some run game stuff. So you're, you're borrowing guys from the other side because uh, you don't necessarily have those fullback tight end types within the offense. Um, how how does that for you? I guess create a little bit more of that buy-in excitement around the offense. Um, I know, you know, even when I was at BW, you know, the rosters we would have there, we'd, we'd re- recruit your school, but you know, I found, found myself borrowing guys from the, the defense and that it was just good overall for our team's culture, right? Being too platoon, absolutely, you got to fight that battle sometimes of, uh, you know, us versus them. And remember we're all on the same side. And I always found like being able to borrow those guys in certain packages really brought things together. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. Um, I think it's important. And not only, you know, I'm the head coach, but I coach the quarterbacks. I call the offense. I don't get to see the defensive guys very often. So uh, the way we do it, and you're not going to believe this because uh, it makes our uh, coaching staff just laugh their butts off. We, I steal time is what I call it. So practice starts at 3.30. We're out there at 310, and I take all of the defensive guys that I'm going to uh, steal time with, uh, so like linebackers and um, running back types and tight end types, and I bring them over, bring those uh, starting offensive line over, bring, the, bring a couple of receivers if they're in the packages that we're going to run and whatever, and we go against air for three days during the week, like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we go against it. We never line up and run a, run an offensive running play against the defense because huh. we just, the rules are the rules. Right. Uh, when I was at Avon Lake and we were running counter down is down. It doesn't matter if there's somebody there, you block down, you stay on your rail and you're go and somebody will show. So, uh, but our defensive uh, coordinator, uh, he just laughs his butt off. He's like, how do you run the ball and never practice against anybody? <laughs> and I'm like, it's just the, the rules. Um, it's no different than our spread stuff. Follow the rules and it'll be fine. So when we run power or we run counter or we run uh, our sweep, which is a reach, you know, just follow the rules and somebody will show. Coach, it's been a lot of fun being able to watch what you guys did uh, this this past uh, season. Now, for me, it was always just you know tuning into uh, Friday night touchdown and, and watching some of the highlights and watching the scores because watching my son play out here in Avon yeah. Lake. But uh, uh, you know, not a surprise to me that you guys have have turned the corner. I, I knew you know in implementing this system, you had you know a little bit. Uh, of of a rough road early on, but you've been persistent with it. You believed in it and um, have really, I think, gotten your team to buy into this. So uh, it's exciting to see where you've taken these guys. But with all those things we've talked about, and you've you mentioned a lot of great things here in this in this uh, short podcast. But what's the one thing you do, coach, that you feel really gives your team the winning edge? Uh, gives our team the winning edge. Uh, having an identity I you know I see a lot of teams and you know I've been doing this for a long time um, and the teams that really struggle at times are where as you prepare to play them 
and you're watching them on film, um, you're trying to figure out what the heck they're trying to do. So if, if you're a young coach listening and you like to listen to podcasts, I love to listen to podcasts, and I actually listen to yours all the time, Coach. Uh, I, I firmly believe that as a young coach coming up, and I learned this from Coach Mock and I learned it from Coach DeLugas, is make sure your team has an identity. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And that's something, you know, you've you've been at places where they've done it, and I think you've you've uh, established that identity now at Madonna. So it's going to be fun to watch what you guys do in in the coming years, um, Coach. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know we run into each other all the time, so it's exciting to be able to get <laughs> you on the the podcast finally here. And um, you know, for our listeners out there who might want to connect and and learn more, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you can email me or call. Uh, my email is LairdL at MedinaBees.org. Awesome. And if they want to connect more through the telephone, you know, afterwards, I'll give them my telephone number. Awesome. Well, Coach, um, best of luck to you and the bees here in 2021. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you around uh, the neighborhood here in Avon Lake. <laughs> hey, thank you very much, Coach, for having me. And Congratulations to your son on Tiffin University. That's wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that, Larry. Take care. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.